Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Lopez. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed Podcast. We've got some familiar guests coming back with us tonight, but we've got a new project that they've been working on for quite a while that uh, we're going to have some time to talk about, plus just kind of catch up. Uh, myself, Ron Hayes in Wyoming, Jason Loftus. Jason, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Jason and I just left each other, actually. Right, right. I'm not used to seeing you this much. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and in person. It was it was fun to catch up with Jason and his son Hunter, and then Kelly was with us also, who's been on the podcast, and uh, we went down and photographed some collared lizard, well, several species of lizards actually, but the collared lizard were the target species, and so we'll catch up about that later on. But tonight we've got Kate and Adam Rice uh, returning to the podcast. Kate and Adam, how are you guys? We're doing great. Yeah, Thanks. great. Glad to be back. Yeah, you guys have so since we've talked last, and it, and even before that, actually, because I think this has been in the works for quite a while. Uh, you guys have started kind of a new project. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we it's been a few years in the process, but uh, Adam and I and some friends, we were, you know, really trying to look for a way to give back um, through different means. And we um, came up with this idea to start a bear conservation nonprofit. So um, that's what we did. <laughs> so we just started uh, for the love of bears. And uh, we do all kinds of different things. We do research, conservation, advocacy, all sorts of things um, for bears, essentially. Now, is this just... Sorry, Jason. No, you're good. Go ahead. Is this just Rocky Mountain bears or is this bears worldwide? Yeah, great question. So right now it's just focusing on North American species. So that would be black bears, uh, grizzly bears, brown bears, um, and polar okay. bears. Good. That's what I was wondering. Okay. So Jason here, trivia question. <laughs> they just named four with the American black bear or North American black bear. Grizzly bear and brown bear are synonymous. So actually three. Mm -hmm. Can you name yep. the other right. five bear species worldwide? They should have been, they Ooh, should have been on Drew's. Yeah, it should have, actually. Trivia night. <laughs> can you guys, for the love of bears, can you name the other species? So I think we can get close. We can do... So you have... Andean bears, which are yep. spectacle bears. Um, yep. Sloth bears, so that's two. Um, sun bears, that's three. Goby bears. That's a yeah, grizzly. It is. is it? Yeah. Goby bears a grizzly. So we need two more. We have um, yep. pandas. There's four. What's the one I'm missing? Sun, uh, a, a, yep. Asiatic. Damn, that's right. impressive. Yeah, you got right? it. Right? Did I get it? Nailed it. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I got Adam's that. like trivia. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of black out like Will Ferrell. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I think that's the first old school reference on the podcast for sure. Last, <laughs> you're my boy, Blue. <laughs> you're my boy. I won't sing. Oh man! Either. Yeah, we'll save that. Jason, Jason, what if we got some great footage of Jason serenading us in the car while we were uh, don't, looking for? Don't do that to everybody. Oh. Don't do that to everybody. <laughs> gotta, gotta love that. Yeah. Gotta love that dash cam. Yeah, it was a backseat driver cam. Yeah, that's a little known fact. Is anybody that knows me when they ride with me, you get to hear me sing. It's just a fact. It's the way it is. I can't help it. It just comes out. So, <laughs> and it's a. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm with you, Jason. It's an incredibly <laughs> eclectic uh, music collection, too, I will say. <laughs> he commented, we went from this to that. How does that happen? It's like, well, that's, that's the playlist. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so, so for the love of bears, you guys are, you know, it's, it's a nonprofit conservation entity. So what kind of projects yep. you talked about, you know, the general type things that you are going to do, what kind of projects are you involved in now currently? Yeah, so we um, have been rolling out our first project. We started with a pilot program. It's called Cleaned Up for the Love of Bears, and it's intended to target um, individuals and their property and how to make simple changes in their life to help prevent human-bear conflict in their neighborhoods and in their area. So you know, things about cleaning up their trash and managing beehives or livestock feed or chickens, fruit, um, fruit, trees. fruit trees. Yeah, it's a big one. So there are a lot of programs out there that are focused on community-wide um, type of campaigns, but the Cleaned Up campaign is really targeted at the individual because we feel like everybody can make uh, a difference individually. And so um, that's where we targeted with that. So we've had people sign up all the way from Alaska to Florida at this point, And that was in the pilot. So we're really excited. We're starting to ramp up now. We're going to launch our nationwide campaign very soon. Um, and if things go right, we're hoping to have yard signs for people and stickers and things like that to send out. Um, we're hoping it's kind of more of a positive reinforcement thing where, um, you know, people can take pride in their community and their commitment um, to living alongside bears and um, hopefully spread the good word to their neighbors and friends. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of focus on, you know, passing legislation in different areas. And, and then, you know, the big problem then is policing and something like this can work whether there is local legislation or not. I mean, if you live someplace where bears aren't really a factor, but you have a local bear that comes in your neighborhood, you know, like that could be something that you can do and try to encourage your neighbors to doing just to help these, because I mean, the bears don't know the rules, so we need to do what we can to keep them out of trouble. I like it. Yeah, so that's our first campaign, and we're pretty excited about it, and then uh, we're already starting to work on our second campaign, which we'll be calling Bear EDU. And it is, the idea is uh, obviously with EDU education program, but we want to give people such as um, local community college students on reservations or low income areas to have opportunities to go view um, bears in the wild. So Yeah, because I mean, part of that is, you know, part of this going forward is going to be that connection with bears. So we're hoping if we can get you know, and it doesn't have to be college age students, you know, maybe it'll be some younger students if we can get them out somewhere, you know, whether it's, you know, down here in Yellowstone or Grand Teton or, you know, as big as like taking a group to Alaska to, sh to see bears in the wild. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? We want to we want to try to get people to have that connection and and, you know, hopefully, you know, that's important to them going forward. What's really cool about those both those programs, I think, is well, especially the first one is any of those behaviors that you're talking about with, you know, for people <laughs> learning how to keep their yards clean and how to live alongside wildlife. It's not just bears that it impacts, right? It impacts all the wildlife, which is a really positive thing. So, which is generally pretty true with most organizations that are doing conservation work. It, you know, it doesn't just impact the key focus species. It always is a broad reaching impact because um, it really just has to do with habitat and our behavior, right? But that's, that's really neat. You know, with the pandemic, we've seen a lot of people moving out of cities and into rural areas who maybe haven't had this kind of experience before. And so we feel like now is the right time to be doing this. And, you know, we read articles every day from Vermont to California where people are having problems right. with the tractants. Well, you guys made it sound super easy. You just started it, started it, kicked it off. Super simple, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it's right. super easy. Overnight, just flipped a switch. <laughs> no, we put we put a lot we put a lot of work and effort into this. We've got a great board of directors um, with varying backgrounds, a lot of marketing um, and NPO backgrounds as well yeah. as science and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I was being flipping obviously, it, but sure. you know, just to make sure people understand the it's not an overnight thing. It's not a simple thing to do and. You definitely got to have a passion and love for what you're doing to make it happen. So, yeah. We had a guy that actually contacted us. He's he's looking at a property in Alaska. 
and um, mm-hmm. he contacted us through the um, podcast messenger, direct messenger, and was asking about things that he could do to basically protect his property or protect the bears around his property. Um, what kind of things he could do with trash and that kind of thing and food in the cabin. He was, he was wondering if he should even cook in his cabin. And so there are a lot of people that are, you know, just like Kate just said, moving into these rural areas because they're for whatever reason, they're getting out of the big cities and, and moving into these areas that may have bears where they didn't have to be concerned about that before. So it's good to have a place that we can just point those folks. I mean, once you guys get that up and running and, uh, and we can just point people to those entities and be able to educate them on, you know, the, the first steps that they should take, because obviously they're not going to, they're not going to be able to go in and and completely clean things up immediately. But what are the first things that they could do that are going to help them and help the bears in their area? Yep. And, and that's what we focused on. Simple, small changes people could make to make a big impact in their area. And that is live on the website. So anybody can check it out at any point um, at for the love of bears.org. There was another entity also that um, is delivering some trash, some bear proof, trash receptacles in the Jackson area, right? And I think that came as a result of 399 having to kind of search a little bit further and wider for food and ended up in some residential areas. Yeah, Yeah, it's really great. There's been a lot of focus in Jackson, a lot of groups involved in that right now. So that's great to see. And we hope that that we can get community involvement all over. Not that we've had a lot of involvement in Jackson specifically, Mm but... um, it's just great to see. Yeah. The education component. Uh, Jason and I have talked to several people lately because it's primarily been us on the podcast. Michael's been working a lot, but we've talked to several people lately about education itself and that being the key component to having people get back in touch with nature. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, you look at the events, the recent event events, and the mental health issues in our country are astronomical. And I think a lot of that comes as a result of just being completely separated from other people and, and from the natural world. And so I think any opportunity to, to teach people, number one, but also get them out of the classroom and get them out there firsthand and be able to experience that. You don't really get to see that emotion that you will experience if you're in the field. You can't, that doesn't really resonate from a a video or in the classroom, no matter what you tell people until they get out there and see it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just on tour the other day and bear with cubs out and, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that got to see them at a pretty good distance. And I, you know, I was telling them, I was pointing out to my people that I had on tour, my clients, there was this van with a big family in it, a bunch of kids all, you know, like 12 to seven or eight and i mean they were all just you could hear them the windows were up in the van and you could still hear them they were screaming they were like that was the coolest thing i have ever seen in my life and just seeing kids that especially with you know everybody's got a cell phone and everybody's got a you know nintendo switch with them everywhere they go everybody's just super stimulated to see kids that excited to see bears and I mean, even, even if they would have seen that in the zoo, I don't think it would have had the same effect. You know what right. I mean? Like just to see that and realize how spe- they realized at that young age, how special that was to see this bear with her, you know, new little cubs. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to, to see that kind of reaction. Yeah. And I, I think that goes to the point, you know, parents are always asking, what can I do to get my kid out from in front of the video games? take them out there and it doesn't have to be bears. Shoot. You could go out and oh, view yeah. elk and moose and you get the same reaction from kids because it's just, mm-hmm. it's something that they haven't experienced or haven't experienced mm-hmm. enough of. So just get outside. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it just made me think of some, it's really interesting to me um, from the hunting perspective. There are a lot of people that are in, they're pushing for, people to take and introduce a, a youth to the outdoors and ne- not even necessarily hunting just to the outdoors, you know, to be out, to go fishing, to go camping, 
to go four-wheeling, to go hike, whatever it is. And I don't know that that message is being sent in the same way in the photography world. And as photographers that love wildlife and scenic places, you know, we could do the same things, right? We could take the opportunity to introduce a kid or something to the to the wild, to the, expose them to these experiences. Um, you know, I don't know. It just crossed my mind, but it's something that, you know, we can we can do in that same vein. Um, and whether it's with a camera in your hand or not, and take a kid out and introduce them to these kinds of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't really know of any other programs doing right. that ourselves. So we felt like that was a place to start. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's obviously a lot of work to do on that front. But I mean, that we just feel like that's such a great idea to, you know, to get to try to get people out and, and experience right. that in some way, you know, mm-hmm. well, especially young kids we want to inspire future generations to care about these animals that we care about. So we're there around yeah. for a long time, you know? Yeah. Cause all that work that's been done for years and years and years can go away real quick. If there's, you know, if the general population no longer cares and those no longer voting, you know, and those to those ends, you know, so it's, it is. And it's It's awesome. You guys are yeah. doing that. It's a great program. And I, you know, I, hopefully there's opportunities through that. I'm sure there will be for folks that want to be members and or even be a part of, you know, getting those kids out there you know, through, you know, the love of bears.org. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots cool. of opportunity. Speaking of education, this has been kind of sticking in my craw for about a week and a half. <laughs> um, Transition. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to transition to the hard stuff. We've been talking about the good stuff. <laughs> you guys do tours in Yellowstone and Grand Teton, you know, I I won't say every day, but very often. And you yeah. guys are yep. you're out there as much as anyone. Right? Is what I'm yeah. kind of getting yeah. at. Yeah. I mean, we're in, we're in there every day, yeah. So, there've been a couple instances over the past couple weeks of number one a a cub an older cub, mature cub that was probably about to be kicked or was in the process of being kicked when the boar showed up that was killed and apparently by the boar and the way people are viewing it by the mother as well. And then, yeah, so that was actually a, it, it was a cub that was kicked last year. So it was a, it was a bear on its own already. Okay. A sub-adult. Sub, yeah. so, so a three and a half year old sub-adult. Okay. Yeah. But mom been hanging out in mom's territory. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And that I think yeah. one thing that people don't understand is even even the process of kicking the cubs can turn fairly violent because she she yeah. wants them oh, gone. And it's there's very, a reason it's, yeah. it's very heartbreaking. And, you know, I've had multiple tours over the last because, I mean, I, I had I had a, a, one group on tour multiple days. So we actually photograph that bear. And then, you know, the next time I pick him up, that bear's gone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm trying to explain to them, you know, what exactly happened. And I mean, it's a part of, it's a mystery, right? You know, right. like part of it, we, we sure. don't know what's going through their heads, but you know, just the, be- the best that I can come up with anyway is, 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 you know, according to who we've talked to here in the park, people that work for the park, it, it was another male and it was living in mom's territory, like right in the heart of it. So, I mean, that's, you know, you're kind of rolling the dice there, mm-hmm. but then, you know, it's a courting pair and they're hyper aggressive. And so, you know, you've seen, like you said, even that, that's typically what drives a sow to drive off her cubs in the first place. Right. It's a, a, a male shows up that she decides is worthy. And so she'll run, run the, run the cubs off and, and it's kind of traumatic. And, I mean, in all reality, as hard as it is for us to see it from that perspective without the human emotion, once that cub's kicked, they recognize each other, but there's no bond anymore. You know what I mean? There might be some tolerance, but... So, I mean, we don't know for sure. Yeah. That's the hard part. And I feel like, you know, I'm always the gooey-gooey bear person, of course, out of the two of us. And (laughs) I take every opportunity that I can to read as much literature and background and science about bears to try to understand behavior because the behavior fascinates me so much. And I feel like I've racked my brain on this situation for two weeks. And even when you feel like someone who spends as much time around bears as, as we do, you know, there's still times where you're like, gosh, I just don't understand what just happened. And it just shows like, 
how much respect and space you really need to give these animals. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, one of the, one of the things that I always try to point out when we are able to view a bear, especially from, you know, like a, a decent distance where it's, it's not in a scope or something like that is I'm like, you know, this is a privilege. Right. Like this bear is choosing to allow us to spend time with it. Yep. And I mean, that's, that's the bottom line is, is, is if it didn't want this, if it was, if it really hated this, it, this wouldn't be happening, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that's just, you know, that's just a big, it, you know, they, they really are kind of giving, you know, they're kind of blessing us with that, with that ability to look into their lives when they, when they let us watch them like that. Right. Yeah. And then the other one was the, the barrel spring sow lost two yeah. cubs of the year yeah. to a boar also. And well, she lost them and then they magically came back from the dead. Oh, really? And, and then that, she lost them. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was a little, little bit of a mistaken identity because there was a bear that had been seen. She, she disappeared for about 10 days. I mean, mm-hmm. when, like when you were up, Jason, when she was really good for about five straight days, you know, we had, she's almost right. on a schedule. You know what I mean? Like she deviates a little bit, but it's like, she's going to come out today. Like that's how, how it was. And then, and then, uh, she kind of went, went up high and kind of got out of the area and we didn't see her for like 10 days. And then they had been seeing a bear with a very similar blonde face collar and red ear tags, which all matched her without cubs. So like we had already relegated to crap. She lost them. And then she showed back up with the cubs and we're like, Okay, I guess we, you know, oh, really? a different bear. And I mean, and I mean, it happens, you know, like the ear tags, they, they have different colors of them, but sometimes they just grab whatever color is easy. And, and then the collar, you know, I mean, it all could just be, maybe it's a related bear. Maybe it's not, maybe she really did have them stashed somewhere and was walking around. I don't know. Um, but then she came out for a few days again and then she ended up losing them again, which is, it, it's really a bummer because she doesn't have a good track record with with cubs and mm. we, we always joke we're gonna call cps cub protective <laughs> services on it. <laughs> yeah she just lives in a really tough area with lots of males around so. yeah there's a lot of new growth you know tight new growth that she's traveling through i don't i think there's a lot of spots where she doesn't have visibility you know she lives really near to a river that she has to cross a bunch and this time of year it's really raging high so i'm sure that's a factor too whether they get lost to the river or just tuckered out and she can't get them away if there's another bear around i don't know there's a bunch of factors i was actually just talking to a friend that works for the park Mm -hmm. with with Mm -hmm. you know kind of doing the bear thing you know and he's like i mean she's obviously way below the normal percentage for cub survival right like probably less than half maybe even less than a third of what it should be um but you know we were talking about it today and he's like you know i really think it's like this every year it just isn't happening right in front of us yeah right yeah and and that's i guess that kind of brings it full circle to my point these are things that happen naturally they happen more often than anybody would like them to happen but that's, I mean, that's what makes it tough being a wild mom, right? There's a lot, oh, yeah. of, a lot of factors out there that we don't have to deal with. Well, and that's one of the big challenges outside of like what we, you know, the human challenges for, for grizzly bears is that, you know, the grizzly bear is the slowest reproducing mammal in North America. And then you factor in this crazy low cub survival rate, you know, I mean, they, they kind of say ballpark 50 ish percent is just kind of like the general rule. But I mean, I think it's probably more in that 40 to 60 range. Yeah. I think 50 is pretty high. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah, they have multiple cubs, but I mean, that's, it's, it's built in that way. You know what I mean? Like it's remarkable that 399 kept all four of those cubs alive. Agreed. You know, you know when, cause yeah. when quad mom did it in 2010 or 2011, when she had four, she was down to two by fall, you know what I mean? And she was a big, you know, experienced sow. She was as big of a sow that you would find in this ecosystem. And she, you know, she was a, she was a badass for lack of a better word. You know, you might've remembered her if you guys were around when she had that huge gnarly bleeding cut on her head from fighting a bear, you know, I mean, nobody saw it, but it was obvious what happened. You know, Mm -hmm. she got in a scuffle and protected her cubs. And I mean, yeah, it was 
so just to just that just kind of puts it in perspective you know what i mean like here's a, here's one of the baddest bears in the ecosystem as far as moms go and you know she kept two of them yeah 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 i think it's interesting when these things happen you know and it's just when they are so in front of us and in our faces you always get and we all we all do it you know i'm not pointing any fingers but all the armchair biologists come out and start to you know throw around ideas and what happened and you know they and people have a hard time yeah. not putting you know human emotions to these kinds of experiences right and you know it's just it's interesting sometimes the things that you see on social media and the, the comments that are made but you know i mean the way i look at it is yes it's hard to see but it's also rare to see and it's something that you know you as hard as it is to watch it's kind of a privilege to be there and be a part of it as hard as it is does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean that being said we're both happy sure not right no i get it yeah i i the events yeah i've seen some pretty graphic images from visitors and it probably will haunt me forever and i mean I, i love the content you know like the behavior and even you know like big male bears fighting like that's super cool but that's you know that's two bears that Right. know how to fight so seeing you know this little sub adult or these tiny little cubs not having any idea like it's just kind of especially like that you know that one that boar with that sub adult i mean that was you know that's one of the bigger bears in the ecosystem i mean it's just shocking the size difference between that bear and and the sow given let alone that bear and the, and the sub adult mm-hmm. and then you know those cubs are you know they're tiny they're like house cats right? yeah and for, uh, well, at least for me, I mean, we watched that cub from, you know, the first time that they came roadside in the last three and a half years. So it's hard when she started with three and, you know, she ended up kicking out two. And then I guess ultimately there's only one left from that group now. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's tough. And, it, and then like a big part of it, even removing emotional attachment, it's a bummer right. to lose a young bear. You know what I mean? Like that's sure. the, the, the ecosystem. You know, it's it's good to have the animals, the animals here, and you like to see the the younger generation making a making a spot for itself in the ecosystem and stuff. So it's hard to see that you know see that kind of wiped away. But that's just that's part right. of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting to me because it's almost like like if we if we talked about three ninety nine for a minute, right? And I don't, I'm asking this question. I'm not pretending like I know anything, but it seems like. You know, the mom, like 399, she'll raise those cubs in that general area. And then that's what they know, right? And whatever behavior she teaches them as far as where to get food and where to be and where, you know, what times of the year, that's what they end up doing. And for, you know, history will tell us that even her cubs have not had a really good success rate of making it to adults, right? Oh. Um, she has, she has a good survival rate, rate as long as they're cubs with her. But once she kicks them she tends to have some, they tend to have issues. Right. Um, and I think that goes back to the program you guys were first talking about some as well, for sure. But you kind of, sorry, go ahead. Well, and that, and that, no, no, I was just going to say it's, it's, it's hard because it'd be nice if they would kind of leave the area, go find their own area, you know, continue to expand naturally. But for whatever reason, it seems to be a hard thing for them to overcome because of just the way they're raised and stuff. But uh, yeah, I and I think there was some thought to 399 in her huge range the last two years being that maybe she is trying to teach those cubs, you know, you're not going to live in that. Because, I mean, she's historically been a very, you know, tight area with where she's been. So for her to, you know, that's why it was so shocking for her to kind of travel all over these new areas. And, you know, there, there has been some thought like, hey, she's looking at four young ones like you guys are gonna have to spread out you can't all live by me and interestingly enough that that sub adult that that got killed the last time that sow had a cub she went 30 miles away to an area she doesn't usually hang out and kick that cub over there and Mm -hmm. go back like she literally went over there just just to boot it so i think they do have some foresight into that like hey i don't want you know like kick the kids out of college right you know don't you're not gonna live in the basement (laughs) at least some sounds yeah yeah yeah. and i mean but the fact of the matter is is that they're not you know they don't have a rule book either you know they're figuring it out like that you know raspberry when she had snow 
that, you know, she kept her for an extra year and it was, it, you know, nobody saw that coming. That was super, but I mean, she doesn't know any better. You know what I mean? She's just like, Oh, this is right. what I'm supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it, it happens. There's not, you know, we think we get it down to a schedule and bears have cubs, you know, whenever they, after they kicked them, they have them every time. And this happens and then this happens and it's all, we can put it on the calendar. Right. And it's just not how it is. It's that they're figuring it out right. just like us. Yeah. Good point. You know, I think all of this whole conversation goes to what people don't understand about bear densities. Bears have fairly large home ranges for, mm-hmm. you know, for the size of mammal that they are. They've got pretty good size home range. And when you have too many bears in that small of an area, it creates these kind of conflicts. And so that's why populations are watched so carefully because you don't want to basically exceed the carrying capacity in a specific area where, yeah. you know, where there's not a lot of opportunities to, to spread out. And the problem yeah. is currently spreading out, you know, once they leave the park, there's not as much protection. So they don't have that opportunity necessarily, you know, to, and that, and to that, expand. Yeah. that And that's a big driver for our cleaned up campaign as well is, you know, one thing that I, that doesn't get, you know, kind of looked at much is, you know, you have these bears kind of showing up in places that they haven't been in a long time. Right. And, but if you think about it, like that's part of recovery, you know, like mm-hmm. hundred years ago, there was grizzly bears from the coast, you know, California coast all the way to the Dakotas from Alaska, all the way down through Mexico. And, they weren't a mountain species, you know, they were a prairie species. They've been in the mountains because of development and, you know, that's just kind of where they got pushed. So it's, uh, it's been really, it's, it's, it's a hard part of it that, you know, you have a lot of these more rural communities in the, you know, Rocky mountain West here where grizzly bears start showing up and people are just like, Oh my gosh, they're spilling out of everywhere. And it's like, that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the case. You know, you just have your, even if you just have bears to the edge of where they've been in the last 20 years, those sows are going to keep having cubs mm-hmm. and eventually their cubs are going to have to go somewhere that might not be the same places they've been going for years. You know what I mean? And it doesn't necessarily mean that the numbers are exploding. I think this yellow, greater Yellowstone ecosystem population has kind of been stagnant at that same number for about 15 right. years or so, you know, because it's, and I mean, it, they'll say it's a little higher now, but we started counting different, so I don't know how you want to look at that. Right. But, uh, but uh, it's, yeah. Trying to expand, but not being allowed to, basically. I mean, you look at the state of California, you know, you talked about bears, grizzly bears being in California, and that you read those old timer, excuse me, trapper or mountain man books and there's grizzly bear encounters in california all the time they've got a grizzly bear on their state flag for crying out loud but they've got zero grizzly bears in the state yeah yep yeah well and everybody talks about yellowstone grand tetons being an island population well in order to get over that we need to be able to connect those with the ones in canada but anytime a bear comes out of the mountains then it becomes a problem and ultimately they, it gets dispatched. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and there's a big hurdle with, you know, I-90 that's, and there's, and there's another organization, Save the Yellowstone Grizzly. That's really we're focusing just on that and trying to get underpasses in so that bears aren't just, you know, it's kind of like a force field, right? You know, bears mm-hmm. from Glacier can't come South and bears from Yellowstone can't come North. And I mean, that's really going to be vital to the genetic diversity of the. Well, that's awesome. I, I'd love the project. And I'm excited to see what you guys develop as far as the educational component. Um, I know there's a lot of good, good people out there and, you know, you guys included that would be able to, to lend a hand in development. And there's all, you know, there's some things that have already been developed, but you won't have to reinvent the wheel. You can kind of piggyback on what some of these state organizations are trying to do as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really excited. We definitely don't want to um, come in and redo anything that anybody's already done, but we're hoping we can step alongside people and um, yep. organizations can hopefully come together and move forward in a good direction. Yeah, and I mean that's a, that's kind of a big part of the idea with the cleaned up campaign too is that we can mm-hmm. work in 
parallel with some of the things that are already happening, you know, because you, like we said right away, it, even if you do have legislation telling, saying that you have to do this or that with attractants or trash or whatever, if, if it's not being enforced or if there's, if you just have, you know, problem parts of neighborhoods or communities, you know, we're hoping that rather than taking this negative reinforcement approach to it where you get, you know, kind of like a neighborhood watch thing and people are policing each Mm -hmm. other, like let's lift each other up and be, you know, and we're hoping that, you know, maybe with things like yard signs, you know, maybe you're, Hey, what's that sign in in Bob's yard? Why don't we have one of those? You know what I mean? And, and if people start talking to each other and start trying to do the right thing together, I mean, it can't hurt, right? No, absolutely not. And I, this is a point that, you know, Jason and I specifically have been trying to drive home to folks is conservation. Isn't just taking a picture and then telling somebody what they should do or writing to your Congressman conservation is getting out there in the field and going and helping those neighbors get cleaned up and, you know, helping them create, you know, a bear proof trash component that's going to allow them to, to keep animals safe in the future. And I, you know, those are the things that where we can get on the ground and, and be a part of the solution and, and not just pointing out the problems. Like, like you just said, I, I like that as well. Yeah. And I mean, we're hoping, we're hoping that we can get a sense of community, like all, all the way across. Cause you know, we've had, you know, like, one of the things on the, on the cleaned up is, is fruit trees, you know, and and when that starts falling in the fall, you know, like we got to keep those up, but what if you're somebody that has a bunch of fruit trees, you know? And so hopefully, you know, communities can band together and be like, let's have a, let's have a barbecue and everybody comes over and helps us pick up our fruit. You know what I mean? Like barbecue and harvest, harvest day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know we talked about it before, Awesome. Kate and Adam, but you know, I love the positive spin. I think it's so we've talked about it before on here and, and from other aspects too, you know, like when you see a photographer or, a, or even just somebody in the field that's doing something that's not maybe the best way to approach the situation. And, you know, you can yell at them and call them names, which is never going to, you know, send the message or you can approach them after the situation and maybe try to help educate in a very, you know, constructive way. And I, you know, I think that's where we've got to be. That's the only thing that's going to drive the, the point home. I think it's that people are willing to listen to anyways. So I love the, I love the positive approach yeah. with the whole, the whole um, organization too. I think that's huge. So. Definitely tried both approaches in the field. We find both. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, I think if we're all honest, we probably all have tried both approaches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't tried the oh, being yeah. nice part yet. <laughs> That's true. Even when I'm shooting with you, you're always so mean. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm not that. <laughs> like oh. I like to I like to ride people. <laughs> That's all right, Jason. You feel better when you get back to the car and Ron says he forgot to turn the camera. Oh, absolutely. Okay. There, that does happen once in a while. <laughs> I knew that was. I knew that was coming up at some point. Hey, to be fair, I, even, I have video of Jason being locked out of the oh, car with, with the alarm going off. Yeah. So if we need, thank you. If we need a thank Jason you, Kate. Ron, a Jason having a Ron moment, we have video proof. I think we need to stop calling it a Ron like moment. It. I like it. I think we should call it a Ron moment. I like it. <laughs> I think the only way we do that is if Ron quits uh, having Ron moments. Yeah, those those moments are the worst, and you just look like a total idiot. You're like, oh, sorry, guys. Yep. yep. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Being nature and wildlife photographers, we all end up off the good at some point. And we just picked up a new sponsor here at Wild and Exposed. It's Zolio, and they offer a satellite texting device. It's a reasonable cost, and the service is pretty reasonable, and you can buy different plans. The three plans that they offer is they have a $20 plan that basically gives you 25 messages through the course of a month. They also have a medium range plan, which is 250 messages for $35 a month. And lastly, they have the unlimited plan, which is what I use, it's $50 and, and unlimited messages. 
Ron, Jason, and myself have been using it for about a month. Actually, I've been using it for almost a year now, and it's been very helpful because I end up shooting in places off the grid a lot. And it's just nice to be able to contact family and just let them know, hey, I'm okay. Shoot's going well. Having a good time. See you soon. One of the best things about this device is it has an SOS feature. So if you get into trouble and you are off the grid, you can still reach help. It's super simple to use. You basically just use an app on your phone which connects to the Zolio device. And at that point, it's really just like text messaging, only you're doing it through the Zolio app. It's two-way, so you can send a message out and somebody can send a message back. To learn more about the Zolio device, go to our website, click on the sponsors link, which is at wildandexposed.com. At the top, you'll see sponsors. Click on that. You will see a link that goes right to the Zolio website to learn more. And then you can also check out the partner deals that we have. We have an affiliate program with them, which we will get a percentage of every sale of every device. So you can buy that right from that link on that page. And then also when you set up service on the device, they will waive the $20 activation fee if you use a code when you set up your device. And that code is wild exposed, W-I-L-D-E-X-P-O-S-E-D. So when you set up your device, you enter that code, the $20 activation fee is waived and you'll be on your way. I haven't, we haven't had you guys on, you know, since uh, this spring, but I got to say two of my favorite shots. So I always go back to the Wyoming wildlife photo edition because it's, you know, it's right in my backyard, Mm -hmm. but two of my favorite shots this year were number one, the wolves coming out of the tree line and howling like (laughs) right in your grill. And then number two, Kate, that shot of that bear pulling the elk calf up the tree. That was probably one of the most dramatic shots I've seen in that in that magazine in quite some time. And to just be able to be there for that moment, that was that was pretty insane. Yeah, thank you. So talk thank talk you. about those two. Oh well, the bear and the elk was in, it was a year ago yesterday, actually. Uh, we were just reminiscing about the one year anniversary about that on Memorial Day. But uh, that was something that completely caught us by surprise. Uh, you know, we were watching this black bear that actually had cubs. And uh, she's just, she went for a swim in a pond and she was coming out and just kind of rooting around and looking in the sagebrush and and then all of us, like her whole demeanor changed. And I was like, oh man, look at that weird predator mode she's in. And no sooner did those words leave my lips that she snatched that elk calf. We had no idea was in the sage. She grabbed it right by the scruff of the neck and went straight up a tree with it. And we just were like flabbergasted. We thought she was going to come up with like a ground squirrel. <laughs> You know, like mm-hmm. not, not an elk calf. I mean, there was no adults anywhere to be seen. Yeah. And the cubs were terrified. They ran up the tree. And, uh, and she took a few minutes with the elk calf up in the tree. And I think she realized, like, hey, nobody's going to come and grab this from me or no elk or other bear or whatever. And so she came down with it. And that's when we got the image with her holding it. And it was still alive at the time. And. You know, obviously she started to eat it. And I think it wasn't until maybe an hour later that the cubs finally came down. And I think the funniest part about it, and I haven't even really looked at the footage because we videoed a lot of this, but um, the cubs' teeth couldn't even puncture the skin of that elk. And you think about a bear cub is so tiny, a black bear cub, and then an elk mm-hmm. cap, and you're like, wow, this is so disproportionate how small this bear is to this elk cap. And it's like tugging on her and trying to break the skin. This thing can't even break the skin of the elk they're cap. Like, it's so little. Yeah, they're like pulling fur out and stuff. It was pretty, it was pretty yeah. funny trying to watch them. And, and you could just tell they probably hadn't even eaten any kind of kill Meat yet. yet. You know, like they had just done nursing and maybe munching on grass, kind of mocking mom. You know, so it was mm-hmm. it was a whole new thing for them. So it was kind of special to be able to watch them try to figure that out. Yeah. 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 yeah and- I've only seen that one time before where a black bear just flipped. And it was, uh, 
this thing was sleeping on his back and had his paws up almost like a person laying there with his hands locked behind his head, you know, leaning against a tree, snoozing. And then all of a sudden this herd of elk came down and they were kind of on this face of this ridge. And man, that thing just, I mean, it was awake and on the hunt immediately. And you can, I mean, there's no mistaking it when it happens. Just take the opportunity to sit there and watch and see how it goes because you're experiencing the the predator mode of what otherwise looks like sometimes a just a lazy bear. Yeah. 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 yeah it was you, so fast. It's a, it's a very stark difference. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. was... Yeah. But you haven't seen Adam's mm. photo. But you will later this year. Wink, wink, <laughs> <Nice>. wink. <laughs> yeah. Of the same, of the same, of the same incident. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, yeah, the wolf. Oh, I think I know where that's going to show up. <laughs> no, no. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll oh, talk no, about no, it later. Neither confirmed nor denied. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the other shot you mentioned, I mean, we've been photographing in this ecosystem for 15 years or something like that. And, you know, we've never, we've gotten some wolf stuff, but we've never had that, you know, like, you know, like you guys know how it is. You come up this winter and you're going to focus on wolves and, and it's all just further than you want. And then, you know, some tourist comes up and shows you something they got out the window with their cell phone. And you're like, come on. Right. Right. Like I'm here all the time. And you guys <laughs> just, they're here for like half a day. And, and, you know, so, I mean, it's better to be lucky than good, especially with wolves. You know, I always tell clients, you know, clients are like, I want, I want to get a wolf photo. And it's like, well, there's a hundred wolves in the park. Like, <laughs> Just keep that in mind. That, like, that's it. There's mm -hmm. not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we've always just kind of had this like, our moment will come kind of thing. And, and that, and, and that was one of them. I mean, we just really got lucky. We were actually, we had heard there were wolves in the area. We were getting, we raced over, they were out of the, out of sight and, you know, not photographable. So we kind of did the, let's hang out with our friends and, and, and BS for a little bit. And we were actually leaving to go. Cause we're like, let's go get burgers. <laughs> right. You know, like let's cut, cut bait, mm -hmm. go get burgers and a beer. And, and have you know Sunday fun day I think it was, and uh, we made it quarter of a mile and wolves are kind of paralleling the road and we pull over and park and we're like we get out of the car and we know the wolves are coming to the road from one side and then there's a guy stopped and he's looking in the trees the opposite way and we're like hey whatever you're looking at the, the wolves are gonna be right here in a second and he just doesn't even say a word and we look over and there's one like just standing right there and then i just turned into an awesome hour hour and a half or something of, yeah of you know eight or nine different wolves moving in and out of the trees howling right there in front of us and i mean that was it was just pretty amazing to sit there and and be able to experience that and capture a couple images that were okay right right <laughs> and for as much time as yeah. we spend here like i feel like we were due yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we were right. waiting for our waiting for our. Moment. There's something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just that. It wasn't just the proximity. It was the light. Yeah. I mean, you had tremendous light, so it wasn't like you hit them right before dark and everything's in shadow. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. had great light on those things, and they come out and howled right in the. Yeah. And oh it, yeah, it was the perfect. The, the aspen trees were kind of nice, you know, having the aspen trees and the fall mm -hmm. grasses. It's all kind of that, you know, kind of yeah. tan sepia kind of landscape so that was, yep. that was super nice and and then we're, we've just been and then and then this winter was just you know we didn't i don't know that i took a wolf photo all winter we were here and then this spring has been i'd this almost argue yeah I'd almost this argue spring better. has been off the charts for wolves. i'd it's almost argue incredible. better than that stuff i mean we've we've you know we've been posting mm -hmm. some of it to our social media but i mean it's i mean it's encounter after encounter of just you know wolves and, and then all this spring snow so we're getting these kind of yeah. winter wolf scenes in, in 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 May and April, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. That's awesome. And it, and it, and it's hard to it's hard to compare a sound in nature that's cooler than wolves howling, you know. Especially yeah. especially when they're close. I mean, that's just that I always say that you know you have wolves howling, elk bugling, and a loon calling. Like those are like those wilderness sounds that it just kind of you stop and you listen, Absolutely. right? 
take it in. Yep. Yeah, that wolf howl will make your will make your hair stand and up. That's going to be especially if it's close. I've mm. been fortunate to experience the howl part of it a couple times, and it really is. It's just yeah, it's mesmerizing. But not so much the photo piece, but the the howls. I haven't put as much time in as you guys, so I got a ways to go. But. <laughs> Hey, I know a guy. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know a guy. Yeah. And a gal. <laughs> so what's next for you guys? Are you spending the summer down here or are you headed north? No, we're we're actually leaving in just a couple weeks. We're gonna spend the entire summer in Alaska. Um we'll be up mid June through mid September and I'm gonna do we're gonna start doing uh, brown bear workshops so that'll kind of probably turn into our summer thing because being you know leading wildlife tours down here just I mean I'll show people bison and elk and stuff like that but if if you want to see a grizzly bear or a wolf July and August are not the times to do that right so right yeah and you know we've always done our own photography up in Alaska so I'm gonna start I'm gonna start doing tours and for brown bears and I think we got a pretty good setup, so I'm gonna we'll do one in August here, and then next year I'm hoping to do a whole bunch more. Very cool. So, yeah, yeah, we're excited. We're gonna drive the van up all the way. Oh, you're so gonna do it, right? That'll be a new experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then we're just gonna be we'll be we'll be able to spend a lot of time doing things that we wish we have a little more time. Absolutely. For, you know? yeah. Who knows? We won't come back. <laughs> yeah, there's always that. We always joke. I think I think last fall when we were up in Alaska doing on our second trip last summer when we were doing moose, I think we well, I know we I was looking at condos. <laughs> I was like, what do we gotta do to just just have a you know secondary place up here and and so I mean I know I know where there's one for sale. Oh yeah? Right 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 next door to Mike. But the problem is, is the garage isn't big enough to get your yeah, van in. So we, we looked at when, when we, I like Mike's place. That yeah. place is great. Yeah, the yeah, first time we it's, were back, it's just about perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The first time we were actually on the podcast, we did it from Mike's place when we were in Alaska, and there was a place oh, right, right, right next to him for sale, and we looked hard at it because it wasn't it wasn't that crazy, and we we're like, oh. mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a that's like a beautiful part of Anchorage, and it, you know mm-hmm. those those condos are beautiful. You know, it's just awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. So we can cut that all out <laughs> if we want, but. Well, if you, if you don't want, and you are still listening, we'll get you the number for a realtor in Anchorage. <laughs> anybody that's interested. Maybe just the realtor part, because I don't want any of them coming. Yeah. 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 No right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, but that, that'll be good. And we'll still do tours down here in, in you know, in the fall. We'll do, uh, mm-hmm. we'll do the, you know, the moose rut and that kind of thing down this way. So that'll be good. And that that's going to turn, I think that's going to turn into the, the rotation is spring, fall and winter here and summer in Alaska. Summer in Alaska. Yeah. That's not a bad way There's to nothing go. Wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for this workshop. It's going to be kind of a unique experience because they'll be on the ground camping with an outfitter kind of, you know, about as luxury as it gets for camping in Alaska. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they even get crab legs one night. <laughs> yeah. It'll, we'll, 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 we'll be camping, but it'll be crab legs and flies. Oh, so man. It won't, won't be mountain house. Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty unique to be able to Glamping. do that. And, yeah. You know, you go to these fly-out lodges. And that's really amazing experience, but people are missing the most prime hours of sunrise and yeah, sunset right. you know yeah so it's going to be it's going to be a really good experience and and i mean obviously i mean we've been a bunch of places up there and we've done our homework and pairing up with the outfitter yeah. you know we have a, there's a lot of collective knowledge as to where we want to go and where we want what we're going to do so i think the sky's the limit as far as that goes that's yeah. very exciting awesome i can't can't wait to see the results of that first one up there yeah yeah. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do and, you know, if, camp and all that kind of stuff. If gas gets to $10 a gallon and diesel to 13 14 you guys might not have any choice but to stay up there. Oh, that'd be heartbreaking. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I've been pushing hard to just stay. Yeah. Adam's like, no, we have to come yeah. back. And I'm like, but why? 
Kate's like, listen, <laughs> you can take an yeah, airplane ride back reason. whenever you need to, but I'll be here. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know where to find me. I don't know if I want to be up there all winter. Yeah. Maybe one winter. I'd love to do the Northern Lights one winter. But that's like a couple days. We don't need the whole winter for that. <laughs> but I want the whole winter for that. Uh, I don't want just what I get in a few days. I want right, the good right. stuff. Yeah. So can people, yeah. is that available to folks or is that something that's coming? Oh, we're, we're, I'm full on this year. I will be posting dates for 2023 soon and there will be multiple sets of dates, but I am keeping, I am keeping it very small, just four people in my group. I am, I'm sharing camp with another photographer, but we'll be, we'll be doing our own thing. Um, but yeah, so it, it will be, we'll be keeping it small, but I will have 2023 dates up soon. And we will give priority to people who have signed up for our newsletter. Yeah. So if you go to carsafaris.com, sign up for our newsletter, those people get priority. Yeah, that'll be the first place that, it, that dates get announced. It'll be on the newsletter before before they get posted on our website and stuff. And uh, and yeah, so I, th I think there'll be quite a few. And, and then I'll do, I'm going to do just private stuff. Like if somebody just wants to go out and have one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two camp experience we'll we'll do that too because we have you know plenty of experience doing that so we'll we'll offer exciting it. news guys what about um dates for you know fall winter spring stuff is that are you pretty much full can people come on go and sign up at the same at carsafaris.com or yeah so yeah sign up for the newsletter i think we've got our winter workshop posted we've got a few spots available yet for that for yellowstone um that'll be a good one yeah and um, that's that's i believe like january 16th or 17th or 18th something like that and then just it's a saturday to saturday so that's posted and we have a couple spots left there and in the fall we're pretty solid until um until uh, late September and then the first couple weeks of October we have some availability. Okay. So. Well, don't if you're out there thinking about just late September, first of October is still great um, for, you know, elk and moose, right? So, um, yeah, that's kind of the prime I always say. Like if you're trying to line up that moose and fall color, it's that kind of last third of September, first week of October range. And then – the moose, the moose rut especially just keeps going on through October. So, right. you know, if you're not trying to mm -hmm. fill in the landscape, you know, check that box. You know, you get into October and the moose activity gets great. Last year, like I feel like everything happened after after October first. Right. Lights. That's awesome. exciting stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead and uh, throw out again where people can find your, unless you already did this, where people can find your tours. And then also for the uh, for the love of bears, yep. Yep. So uh, for the love of bears is a five hundred one c three nonprofit. That's at fortheloveofbears.org, just how it sounds. And then tours and workshops you can find at carsafaris.com. So k a r s a f a r i s dot com. Yep. And then and then. For Social awesome. media, you just we post mostly on car photography, so that's Facebook and Instagram, and as sad as it is, some TikTok. <laughs> I'm ashamed of that one, but it's just, it's just cell phone video. Don't be ashamed. You know, what? you know what, Jason? I, I know I am. There, Jason. I'm not lying. I'm laughing because I'm there with you. I have such a hard time doing it too. It's just like, man, it's just not me. But yeah, anyways. He's laughing because we just had this conversation about, yeah. hey, we, we got to figure this out. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just kind there, of but... a fast-growing platform. So, you know, you guys know how it is, social media. Get in early. Maybe you can get lucky. But I uh, think it's not early yeah. at this point. It's yeah, late. Yeah. late. Yeah, we are late. Yeah, 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 it's late. Instagram's a big Instagram's a big TikTok yeah. fan, though, because they're trying well, to be they're it. they're trying to make you be it. You know, they're trying to... Tank, tank, <laughs> exactly. Take your stills and you know, give you all this real stuff, yep. and it's and then, and then if you put stills in your reels, they actually like flag it and tell you that you're doing something <laughs> wrong, and it's it's like that's what people want to see. Like, what are you you know, because how many times have you seen the 
I'm a photographer oh. who took this photo. And I just we are so <laughs> sick and tired of seeing those we things. Just I had this I'm not trying to offend anybody, but oh my gosh. Or or the sorry, here's what my camera sees. Here's what my cell phone sees. Here's what my camera sees. Right? It's like, come on, we got to be more original. <laughs> hey, I do that. I do that. I do that. I don't understand putting the camera down the lens. That's the right. wrong way. Yeah, yeah, like like pointing, point, doing the doing the reel or the TikTok with the with the lens element pointed at the camera. I'm like, what are you right. gonna see that way? We <laughs> uh, should just do clips of all of yeah, that. Hey, listen, yeah. hopefully we're not offending anybody. Yeah. There's some very successful accounts out there yeah, that are doing these things. It's just funny because it seems like that's like. What everybody's yeah, trying to do is copy those things, but people are killing it. No, I, I was actually joking with a uh, cinematographer in the park here. I we ju we just bought a cinema camera, and we got it all rigged up, and we've been shooting. And I ran into this guy, and he's like, "What are you going to do with it?" I'm like, "TikTok." <laughs> <laughs> and he thought I was serious. Right? It was hilarious. <laughs> you know, I'm, I haven't figured out how to mount it sideways oh. yet, though, so I'm going to have to shoot loose. Right. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Have you? Hey, yeah. You just got to get, yeah, just got to get the full yeah. cage and then you can, you can put the mount <laughs> have, on the side. Hey, Ron, have you talked to Red about that, about putting some, tri some tripod mounts on the side of the Red camera? So Red's got it. You can do that on really? it already. Yeah. yeah. TikTok. Yeah, they've got mounts all over that thing. I don't think they're all that concerned <laughs> about TikTok with the 8K, but... TikTok. You, you should... can't TikTok in less than eight years, I thought. Ron, I think you need to start a TikTok channel called TikTok. TikTok yeah. shot on red. <laughs> I like it. You yeah. know, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. And I'd just be like, this is the most. I'll be, yeah. And then I'll be ostracized by the red community <laughs> and the photography community. Hey, but at you're... the same time. Because by the time you get there, by the time you get the red set up, the whole situation you were trying to film is gone. So this is what I could have got, and I could show him somebody else's right. picture. That's brilliant. Yeah, and that's this is what brilliant. my camera yeah, got, and it's have not, nothing. Not, not even set up, just for it to <laughs> right. on, right? <laughs> but you'll be future-proofing yeah. your TikTok yeah. videos. Just remember you that. <laughs> <laughs> you will be. Right. When, 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 TikTok, is, when yeah. TikTok is actually streaming at yeah. 8K in, in 2045. Right. Yeah. You will be able to post. Yeah. You'll have that eight guy icon. I'll in be. There. A, You'll have to put that in your in your camera. I'll be all remember over click, it. Remember to click. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, funny. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm all over it. I mean, actually, the, the hard thing is is you can you can have the best content in the world, but if if you're not a if you're not a twenty something female in a bikini, you're not gonna you're not you can't compete on TikTok. Right. <laughs> I have not tried a twerking video yet. <laughs> and and hey, and you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're, you're in my feed. I thank you for not just. just no, I feel like that'd be. <laughs> oh, it'd be hilarious. That's for sure. All right. I guarantee you. Next time I get a good shot, the twerking photographer. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, we we always we always joke with the van life thing that that I should just put a G string on and pose in front of like Schwabacher with the back doors open and reading a reading Maya Angelou, you know, <laughs> drinking oh, a latte. Because <laughs> that that's the that's the for swinging in your swinging yeah, in your hammock. That's the formula, right? Just a, a G string and some poetry and a yeah. latte in front of in front of. The, Range. Never mind all the hair. And a, and a drone <laughs> shot. Hashtag van life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love it. Hash, yeah. Hashtag good luck getting yeah. that out of your head. Hashtag Jack Link's beef jerky, <laughs> you know, fighting with Sasquatch. <laughs> People would be confused. All right. I think we've They're lost like, is this thing still going? Or? Probably <laughs> No, it's been good having you guys. <laughs> but yeah, and and this is the okay. Just so everybody knows, this is a pretty good indication as to what your trip with Kate and Adam is going to be like. They like to have fun, but they're also all about getting down to business and teaching you how to get the good shots, putting you in position to get the good shots. So be prepared to laugh a little bit 
and also do a little bit of work. Thanks, guys. Because these guys will get you yeah, there. No, yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Well, thank you guys again for coming on, and I appreciate you sharing about the uh, the organization. I was I was kind of excited to help you. I mean, I know it's already been announced, but to kind of help get yeah. it out there a little bit more to some folks that maybe don't have the opportunity or haven't had the opportunity to hear about what's going on. And I, I think it's an outstanding opportunity for, for education as well as information or the dissemination of information uh, for folks in the, in the near future. Yeah. Thank you so much. Every, every bit counts to help get the word out there. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys for having us on and helping us kind of, talk about what we're absolutely working. won't be the last time i'm sure you've been listening to the wild and exposed podcast if you haven't yet please give us a rating and a review and make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it and as always thanks for tuning in we're gonna make it someday nothing's gonna get in our way we will be the biggest band in time